You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Hello and welcome back. We are continuing our best of series on the podcast while I'm on sabbatical. So without further ado, enjoy. Morning, Ethan. Hello. How's it going? Going pretty well. Uh, I have no complaints. How about you? Do you have complaints? I have no complaints. And if I did, what good would they do me anyway? Well, sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes it feels good to air them. We can air them here. (laughs) Actually... Complaint is not probably the right word for it, but this morning I did not get my day off to the best start. Ooh, yeah. So that's you know the thing is okay, I know this is a first world thing. I know it is. <laughs> you don't need to write in. You don't need to say Ian. Make a first world problem. It is. It is. I agree with you. But the thing is, we don't get that many of them in the week. You know, and usually. <laughs> There's one that's like the most important one. You're like, this is the day, day off. Yeah. You might have some time later in the week, but it's like maybe a little flexible. I'm th- this is just me at this point. Yeah. Now I'm just talking about me. I asked you, and now it's about me. <laughs> but when you get that one, the most important day off, when you get that yeah. off to a rough start, you're like, I can't replace this for another seven days. <laughs> I feel the loss. Please continue. Well, so this morning, as you may know, I'm a bit of an early riser. Yeah. Just what I do. I go to bed very early, though. So it's like, you know, the time is really, I get the same amount of time. So point being, early riser. My alarm goes off Mm -hmm. at this rather early hour. Sure. Morgan normally, you know, she just sleeps through it, gets a few more hours of sleep. Abby sleeps through it. Oakley is, you know, quiet until I I let him out to go eat and do his business in the yard. But very quiet. They get a few extra hours of sleep. I go into the church, do whatever. Well, this morning, my alarm went off at its normal time, Mm -hmm. and I got up and turned it off and sat up in the bed and stretched my arms out, and I heard a noise. Uh, Okay. I never hear noises in my house at this hour, ever. And I heard a noise. And it's inside the house. And it's inside the house. The noise is coming. The noise is coming from inside the house. And I was like, what the heck was that? So I, like, you know, kind of, you know how you hold your breath when you're trying to hear a sound? Yes. I'm listening. I don't hear anything. But then I realize I am conspicuously not also hearing something because every night we put Abby to bed, we put on a white noisemaker that's oh. loud enough to like help her sleep and so that she doesn't hear us because we'll still be up for a while. Yeah. It's a nice white noisemaker. Well, that white noisemaker is off. There is no white noise. Huh. And right about that time is when I hear the sound again and I realize what, what? it is. It is Abby waking up at oh. four o'clock oh, no. in the morning. Oh, no. And she wakes up and goes, Mommy. <laughs> And then she starts crying. No. And I'm thinking, oh, please. Like, I'm I am praying. Yes. I, at this point, I'm like, Lord, please. Like, as you have done to people in the past, put a deep sleep upon her. <laughs> she was not sleeping. She oh, she was awake. No. She was crying. And Jeez. God bless my wife, Morgan. She just, she got up. She's like, I'll get up with her. It's fine. I'm like, <laughs> Oh man! So, I wow. um, I did not do such a great great job of, of that this morning. But I thought perhaps a white noise vigilante had broken into your home and disabled oh. the machine. Yes, you like that? How you built the tension there? You, and you, you, you built it all right. Yeah, I was like, like, like what's going on here? You know, between people stealing stuff and white all noise this Batman's stuff. inside turning off machines. <laughs> We've got a hobgoblin in our house. <laughs> Quite sad, isn't it? <laughs> oh. Oh, so anyway, that was a really long story you didn't ask for. But um, anyway, I, that would I, be my closest thing to a complaint. I literally asked for it. No, that's 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 fair, you know. And uh, I don't regret it. That's it. So here we are. We are here. Now we're here recording. And today we're talking about 
an interesting topic. Well, to me, it's interesting to me. I think it's interesting to me as well. Yeah. Finding the right theological hills to die on. Okay. (laughs) You like that? I liked how you delivered that. That was good. (laughs) What were you going to say? I was, I think you said it accurately. I think that really encapsulated everything it needed to. I don't necessarily know I would have actually added the word theological. Just the right hills to die on. Yeah. I think I just would have been like (laughs) sometimes, because it really does apply to to all areas of life, but it's true. Perhaps most sharply in in, uh, our world of of ideals and beliefs and therefore theology yes at least in this podcast at least in this podcast but (laughs) yeah apply this to every area of your life yeah that's true what could go probably nothing probably nothing could go wrong you could only get better probably it's it's caution and discernment it is we could use always more of that yes indeed i want to be lousy with it you know what i mean (laughs) drowning in it drowning in caution drown in it drown in it Oh, so oh, one of the things that can get exhausting within Christendom is theological argumentation. And I say this as someone who is strangely invigorated by a good-spirited and even heated theological debate, That's you know? That's unique. That is unique. That's, yeah, you know, we each have our own thing. <laughs> we do, sure. You know, like, man, I don't I don't know who's your favorite. I don't know. Go someone ahead, hating on some, bus. Someone hating on some, like, school of art, and you're like, how dare you oh, hate on that and yeah. for these reasons? The Rococo movement is brilliant. <laughs> I like it. Second only to the Baroque period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you could start to wonder pretty quickly, you know, in this realm, is X or Y issue really worth all this discussion and sometimes apparent infighting? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can wonder that. But on the other hand, you might also think X or Y issue is absolutely worth arguing about, but no one is even talking about it. Mm. And then you start wondering, based on your theological views and whatnot, what you should be doing, and if there are people you should or shouldn't be associating with, and just there's a lot going on. There's some there's some like yeah. four dimensional chess happening it, here. I mean, it really gets serious fast, doesn't it? Like, yeah, we see we see more than enough of all of that on social media, but even here within our own shared system of beliefs, it can get out of hand in no time flat. Oh yes, oh yes, it can. So, what is a Christian to do in such circumstances? Mm. What are you to do when you find yourself in the midst of something that you are like, ah, I hate this, you know, this is like, this, this is, is too much stressing me out. I can't stand by and say it's nothing. too much. Or, yeah, or like the, no one's talking about this and this is actually majorly important and what mm. are we supposed to do about that? How do we even begin to think about this kind of discussion? Like, what are you supposed to do here? Well, glad you asked, <laughs> theoretical listener. Just a little while back, I read a very helpful book on this very topic. Finding the Right Hills to Die On is the name of the book. <laughs> what do you know? By Gavin Ortland, who is a rising pastor, theologian, scholar type, mm-hmm. pastors a church out in California. Very brilliant, very charitable, very wise guy. Not wise guy, derogatory. I mean, wise man. Yeah. He's a wise, he's a sagacious man. And I thought it would be worthwhile to give a basic sketch of his approach to working through such theological issues and discussions because it was very helpful to me. And I thought, you know what, this is something that in a broad sense, I think could be helpful to people who are listening and yeah, in so. this kind of world. So if you happen to find this all interesting, beneficial, I would also highly recommend you purchase the book. It's relatively short, pretty easy read, nothing super complicated in it, and um, very, very helpful. But before we dive into that, let me just say a brief word about a quote <laughs> often misattributed to my boy Augustine, right. my favorite. A quote that is often misattributed to him that I find unhelpful in these discussions, because what you'll sometimes have is you'll be getting into perhaps a heated talk about X or Y theological issue, and someone will say something like this. Well, you know, as Augustine said, except he didn't, in the essentials, unity, in the non-essentials, liberty, in all things, 
love. And while that might sound nice and simple enough to put on a bumper sticker or a Hallmark <laughs> gift card, it, it actually encourages pretty poor thinking and discussion. And also, did I mention Augustine didn't say it? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I'm really glad to hear that he didn't say it because <laughs> I, I think he would have fallen from grace a little bit in my <laughs> mental hall of fame. <laughs> Um, but yeah, to hear this in a modern context, in the way we know that it is used, yes, it's gonna, it's, ah, uh, it's annoying. I just have to say that. <laughs> I just have to get that out. Because um, too frequently, it's used to just disengage from a conversation that you don't like. Yes, like you, you, you can deem anything as non-essential if you do enough mental gymnastics. Yes, <laughs> and then you just throw all things love at the end as a way to say you're not allowed to disagree with me now. Uh, be warm, be filled, goodbye. <laughs> Like, it's just, it's not fair. Yes, yes. And that is how it gets used is like the, like, well, there are these essential things and then everything else is like, you know, Yeah, don't whatever. tell me what to think. Yeah, like, well, <laughs> no. Like, so yeah, like it's often used as a quote unquote get out of debate free card. Yeah. When sensitive issues come up that need to be discussed many mm-hmm. times. So that's unhelpful. But second, and perhaps most egregious to me, it makes pretty horrendous implications because this quote assumes that when it comes to the things that God has revealed to us in his word and the doctrines that we've developed out of the scriptures, Mm -hmm. because remember, the scriptures are our primary source for theology as a discipline, right? That is our source. This quote assumes there are only essentials and non-essentials. Like, that's it. Those are the only two categories. Mm, Yeah. The thing about that is that if God put anything in his book, he put it in there for a reason, right? Like, he's not, you know... Putting things in, there's no filler in scripture when God's like, well, what words of mine do I want in this book that will be handed down to the church until the end of history? It's like, it's like, oh, this period in history is a bit bland. Let's just throw a story in there. Yeah, Something happens. Just, just to see, you know? So it's misleading to use only essential and non-essential as theological categories. Mm-hmm. Very misleading, I think. Well, this is interesting to me because I've not really heard much in the realm of, of these categories. Like, at mm-hmm. it, it, it best, I might use terms like tertiary issues sure, to yeah. delineate. But that's just just so I can sort my own thoughts. Like, right. not I'm not like <laughs> throwing that out in a, in a debate. Right. Um, but I don't know the fact that we're kind of like bringing this into a scope of of really what does that mean? What are we actually saying? Yeah, I'm all ears. Yeah. So Gavin Ortland proposes a better way forward than non-essentials, essentials, all things love. <laughs> Good. Okay. <laughs> all things love still, but he sketches out a four-tier system oh. of importance, basically, for theological issues and doctrinal issues. And it goes like this. You have first-rank doctrines, which are essential to the gospel. So we will borrow that Mm, term. We're using that word. Yeah, they are essential to the gospel. So we could throw probably the Trinity in there. That would be an example of a first-rank doctrine. If you deny the Trinity, not a Christian. Like that's, I mean, like you could be, you're something else, but you're not a Christian, right? Like that's essential to the gospel, Mm. the Christian gospel. You have to have the Trinity. That'd be first-rank. Then you have second-rank doctrines that are urgent for the health and practice of the church, okay? But they're not necessarily on the level of first rank. And differences here may cause Christians to lawfully separate at the local church denominational or ministry level, okay? Oh, okay. So an example of a second rank doctrine could maybe be like your view of spiritual gifts. I it doesn't see. have to be, but like in some denominations and circles and churches, that is a very important a defining issue. factor. Yeah. yeah, it's very urgent for the practice of their ministry, yeah. right? Very related and integrated to the day-to-day stuff they're doing. And if you have someone that's like, well, I completely 
completely disagree with your view of the spiritual gifts, you don't have to accuse one or the other of not being a Christian because they agree on the first rank doctrines. Right. But on the second rank doctrine, well, maybe you need to go find somewhere else Mm -hmm. if your disagreements on this issue are going to be that pronounced. Your your effectiveness in the ministry. Exactly. Exactly. So that's second rank. Third rank doctrines are important to Christian theology, but not urgent enough to justify any splits. Okay. So I would throw your view of the end times slash the millennium in here. Sure. Right. So like that is important. I think some people that's one of those things where it's like, "Eh, it doesn't matter at all. Like, (laughs) well, no, it's important. Like the way you view the end of all things and like how that's going to unfold in history is going to affect how you live in the here and now and your outlook on the world. Especially your outlook. Absolutely. So that is important and there is discussion of it in scripture. So it's, it is important, but you should even be able to be in the same church and disagree on that. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that shouldn't in any way Mm -hmm. hinder you from advancing the gospel. And then fourth rank doctrines are unimportant to our gospel witness and collaboration. Unimportant? Yeah. And I even, I I don't even know if we should throw the word doctrines in there because I'm thinking of things like, you know, you get into it and you're like, well, in terms of symbology, should the carpet in the sanctuary be purple to symbolize Christ's royalty or should it be red to represent his blood? (laughs) Amazing. You know, that's do a good thing. red red violet yes <laughs> both <laughs> amazing it's his blood mixing with the purple robes oh symbology so, yeah yeah so that's the four-tier system that he advances and proposes i like this yeah i think it's it's a very helpful categorical system of thinking yeah and to be fair ortland admits that even this is a bit simplistic because it's probably more accurate to picture a sort of sliding scale of importance yeah, that might be sure. more yeah but at that point you're going to get into all kinds of discussions of like well where on the scale you need like, to visualize it you need the, yeah you need the philosophical arithmetic in play right exactly and that creates its own little set of issues so the tier system i think is the simplest way mm. while allowing for diversity yeah is it just a helpful guide yeah. to kind of maybe put the brakes on yeah. and, and center yourself and think about how important is this? How do I negotiate it? Exactly. And then the other thing is with a system like this is you can also get into debates about what issue belongs in which tier, mm-hmm. to be fair. Oh, yeah. That's like... um. <laughs> There's an old joke about fundamentalist theologians and like liberal theologians that like fundamentalists don't have a doctrine they won't fight over and liberal <laughs> theologians don't have a doctrine they will fight over. So like, you know, you could have like, you could have people who like everything is first rank, you know? Yeah. And then some people who everything is fourth rank. Yeah. And like, that's not helpful. That's you know what I mean? Helpful. Like, that's not going to be good. So between those two spheres of people, you might have, you know, disagreements on like, well, does this issue belong in first tier or second tier? Sure, yeah. For example, so like, let's put this into a semi-practical concrete scenario to give us an idea of how we could utilize this. Because the idea is hopefully when you're just talking about these things with friends or, I mean, you're sharing the gospel with a non-believer in your workplace, that kind of stuff, you can know how to sort these things out. So here's an example for my own life. If it comes to, say, our doctrine of scripture, right, that's a pretty important doctrine. I'm willing to, to use military terms, finding the right hills to die on. I'd be willing to die on that hill, okay. our doctrine of scripture mm-hmm. and how you articulate that and what that means. The reason being, we have no way of knowing who God is or what he expects or how we can be saved outside of the scriptures. It defines everything for right? us. Right? Like, that's like, God has said, I've revealed myself. I've explained the meaning of the world and my purposes for history in this book. And outside of something like that, like let's even take the hypothetical argument and say it's wrong. We still need something 
to tell us like who God is and what he's like. Because otherwise, the issue is we're just going to have our own projection gods. Like God is just going to be whatever we make in our own image, exactly, right? Which yeah. is what humans have been doing for, you know, <laughs> They've gotten ever basically. Used to it. So all that say, I'm willing to find that hill and die on it. We'd be making it up on our own apart from scripture. So that makes it sound, perhaps at first glance, like a first rank doctrine, right? Sure, sure. Sounds pretty essential. And yet, here's the thing, though. No one is saved by their view of Scripture. <laughs> okay. Right? Like, you're not saved by your ability to articulate the doctrine of sola scriptura, right? Right, right. So does that make it second rank then, right? So, okay, put this in the scenario. I have at least one ministerial colleague. He's serving in another church. Great guy, doing awesome work, solid, orthodox, all this good stuff. But his views of Scripture don't comport with mine. <laughs> this will sound bad. I mean, it sounds generous. He has a, a, a lower view of scripture than I do as okay. far as like just his view on inspiration and inerrancy and that kind of stuff, right? Okay. He just comes out of a tradition where that's kind of... It's just the, seen the, Yeah, it's, that's what they have. But he believes in Christ alone for salvation. He preaches the true gospel. He encourages his church to confess their sins, live holy lives. He's doing all that stuff. So when he and I sit down and get, you know tea at Panera, should we even bother discussing <laughs> the doctrine of scripture? That's something we shouldn't even bother discussing. Why stir the, the bees nest? Yeah. Now, in short, I think that if it comes up, I think the answer is yes. Like, well, let's have a discussion about it. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, let's talk about why I think it's this and why you think it's that and try to figure out how we came to that and what effects that will have on each of our ministries mm-hmm. and um, our potential collaboration together on certain issues, right? Now, I wouldn't necessarily be comfortable serving on the same church staff as him if he was going to be teaching that. Okay. But I have no issues commending his ministry and saying, oh, yeah, like in certain areas and functions, I'll stand shoulder to shoulder with you. Absolutely. Right. So all that to say, then, I think I would place scripture, your doctrine of scripture, as a second tier issue. Given oh, all that. okay. So again, like he's not saved by his ability to properly articulate a robust doctrine of sola scriptura. Right. But he is saved. There are some things that down the road, I think there could be problems for him because he has a certain view of the scripture. Mm-hmm. So I think it's worth, you know, hey, like, let's discuss it, but I'm not going to pronounce anathemas upon you because of, you know, <laughs> or I'm not even going to say, oh, you shouldn't go to his church because you're going to get some, you know, right. weird stuff. But if he's like, hey, I'm looking for a job. Can I come on staff at your church? Be like, well, like there are some things. Yeah. Like we're going to need to work through yeah. this if you're going to be here in a teaching capacity sharing right. these things. So yeah, that's, uh, that's how I'd summarize that, I think. So it sounds like that in, in many circumstances, similar issues to this could maybe sometimes I mean it's a bit like you said a sliding scale could sometimes rest in the second tier but that's not to say a particular situation or a message or a discussion could bring them into the limelight more right could put a finer point on the topic at hand yeah and I think the other thing to realize about this too and I think to be fair so (laughs) every side has you know strengths and weaknesses I lean more toward way more grace on the like lower side of second tier, third tier issue. Like, to be like, no say whatever deal. you want. Like, I'll discuss them with you. We'll have fun. But, like, I'm not gonna... Yeah. Some people get really fired up <laughs> about some of those things. And to be fair, you do, with certain issues, begin to see how, like, third rank doctrines begin to touch on second rank doctrines, which begin to touch on first rank doctrines. Yeah. A little anecdote I like to tell on this is that um, I was discussing with someone at our Lost Creek campus a few months ago. We were discussing views of creation, mm-hmm. um, which I would, I think I would, I would put that in third rank, third rank doctrine, your views of creation. And we were talking about that because he and I have different views of that. Sure. And we were discussing our differences and we moved on from that topic to talk about how he was talking about how the views of 
of and the practice of of sexual ethics in the church in like the professing orthodox conservative historical yeah. christian church is like he's like it's just so like sad to see so many of these churches that are like on all manner of issues like saying like eh, like one man one woman like who cares like you know basically anyone do whatever you want you know polyam you know whatever you want basically right and i i joked with him i was like well sir the reason they've done that is because based on your view of this third rank doctrine you gave them a bad second rank doctrine of scripture <sighs> and therefore they have a bad first rank oh, view no. of, of sin <laughs> We all laughed and, you know, it was funny, but it illustrates the point that yeah. like some people, you know, I'm sure we all can think of people who like get really fired up about discussions of creation mm-hmm. and how, what your view on that is, you know, is it a literal six days? Is it gap theory? Was it theistic evolution? <laughs> you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Well, these pieces of our system, they are keyword system of beliefs. Yeah. They don't exist within a vacuum. Right. And so all that is to say is I, I also understand the pull for some people to like say like, well, these hills are worth fighting on. I do think that depending on how you go about it, you can accidentally make it a first-rank issue. Like, yeah, I think you sure. can acknowledge in a healthy discussion like that to say, okay, this this particular issue may be third-rank and we can disagree on it, but we need to be aware of how that could potentially in this system impact our understanding of second-rank and first-rank doctrines yeah. without pronouncing anathemas on one another. <laughs> exactly. At the same time, without saying and conflating a third-rank doctrine with a first-rank doctrine. Yeah, for because sure. I think that sometimes is what happens. You know, mm-hmm. we get so, like, we basically our, make it. Our pet issues, our favorite things. Yeah. They are important to us. Exactly. And they are important things. Yeah. However, yeah. you know, how we how we live that out and how we engage with people about it is that that still matters too. We're still accountable for how we handle yeah. ourselves. Zach Eswine is a pastor out in I think somewhere in Missouri. Where I guess is not important. The point is he has this little saying that I like. He says, Christians are responsible for bringing the message of Jesus in the manner of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So that means that there are a lot of times where you need to be very gentle and lowly with people and like come to Christ, receive this grace. Let's talk about it in that way. And there may be times, you know, like if you're talking about like someone who's like, yeah, like I'm going to go preach about how the Trinity is a bad doctrine and, you know, I'm going to do that to Richard. Like, well, oh, hold up, buddy. Like we, we might need to flip a table real, just like keep you from like, you know, doing that. You know what I mean? Right. But that is, that is important the way we engage in it. As the apostle Paul would say, to quote him, let all of your words be gracious and seasoned with salt mm. in regards to those things. So yeah, all that is to say, again, third rank, when it comes to my views of the millennium, I'll be happy to discuss that. I'll do it in a lively spirit. I'll have fun. <laughs> but um, I'm not going to split off from someone or say, well, I don't think we can you know, serve shoulder to shoulder in ministry because we have different views of the millennium. Right. Again, it's important, but third tier. You know what I mean? So we can disagree on that. So hopefully this taxonomy can help you think through what hills are really worth dying on and which ones you can stop spending so much energy on. (laughs) You know what I mean? So you can fight on the hills really Uh, worth dying for. Exactly. Can't fight on them all. So thank you as always for listening. Hope this was helpful and invigorating for you. If you have any questions on this or any other topic, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net or you can interact with us on social media. And if you found this helpful and you want to leave an honest five-star review or, you know, however you want to systematize that, (laughs) you can do that. That'd be great. Thanks as always for listening. Catch you next time. Mm